That's right. Welcome along to Rugby World Cup today here on SENZ with Surly. Brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Tuesday night and it's been a pretty busy day around the grounds with the dust still settling from those four unreal quarterfinals. The hosts are gone as are the previously number one, number one ranked Ireland side who are now actually ranked third in the world after the weekend's results. How quickly things can change and add to that Eddie Jones he's managed to find a way to keep the Wallabies in the headlines dishing up his usual antics at a press conference today in Australia but more on that soon. In terms of the agenda for today's show, we'll look to bring you up to speed with the latest news, including Eddie Jones, as we dissect that press conference. Then I've gone through and picked out a few audio bites from the All Blacks media session today, featuring Jason Ryan and Dane Coles. So we'll have a look at that. Following that, we'll be joined by Charles Goodsir, a sports reporter out at SEN in Australia, who was at that press conference. So I'm keen to get his opinion on the events as well, of course, is highlighting a breakout performer and taking a look at the schedule of this weekend's games, all available to listen to live, of course, here on SENZ. As always, keen to hear your thoughts throughout the show with whatever might be on your mind concerning all things Rugby World Cup. How are your confidence levels ahead of these semi-finals? Are you set on an all-black Springbok final or could England or Argentina pull off the upset? Do you expect any changes to the All Blacks 23? Or are you convinced Eddie Jones will see the Wallabies through to the next World Cup? Text through to double eight double three anytime in the next hour with your thoughts and I'll be sure to feature them throughout the show. But it's time now to get into the news and take a look. We'll kick things off with that big story of the day is Eddie Jones. He's announced he'll be sticking around and won't be jetting off to Japan. Eddie spoke at a press conference today in Sydney and confirmed his commitment to coaching the Wallabies. Fair to say he faced a few tough questions as he should. The first one was, in reflection, how does he rate the performance of both the team and himself at this World Cup? Yeah, I came in the to the Wallabies, uh, short preparation time. I had to make a quick decision on what we do. I had a look at the resources we had, the players we had. I made a decision, we've got to go with youth. Uh, that's the best option for Australia going forward. I made that decision and, and the results of the World Cup weren't how we hoped, but I still think I've made the right decision there. And as he alluded, he decided to stick with you. So does he agree with that decision? Or maybe has he changed his opinion and gone with the large amount of critics who said they should have picked those experienced players, especially heading into a World Cup? Well, everyone's got their, their own judgment, haven't they? And they're allowed to have that judgment. My choice was that I decided to go with youth, and I stand by that. Because I think those players, we've got a lot of good young players there, a lot of good young players who are really going to benefit from that experience of the World Cup and go forward to the 2027 World Cup. So Eddie's sticking to his guns as we kind of expected really. Next up he was asked, why does he think the team didn't perform to expectations? Uh, we just weren't good enough, mate. You know, you just got to watch the quarterfinals of the weekend. We're not at that level and we can't pretend to be at that level, but can we be at that level by 2027? Yes, we can. So a bit of optimism there for Wallabies fans as Eddie clearly still has the belief. He was then asked if he has the passion to coach and here's what he had to say. Oh, I love the game, mate. Yeah, I love the game. I love working with young players. I love seeing some of the young players maturing during the World Cup and some of them struggle, you know, and that's all part of it. Um, but I love the game and I love coaching young players. Do you have a passion to coach Wallabies? 
hundred percent. And until and until you're told otherwise, you're happy to remain as coach. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, a brave journalist with a good memory then reminded Eddie Jones that in 2015 he sat in a press conference and denied he had any contact with English rugby officials. So why should Australians believe him now? Here's Eddie's answer. Why should we believe you now that you have nothing, you have nothing to do with the Japanese Oh, well, that's a different situation, mate. So hardly a convincing answer there from Eddie. Next up, he was asked what changes he would like to see in Australian rugby to improve the strength of the game and the performance of the Wallabies. Well, I think for the last 20 years in Australia, we've spoken about getting more aligned. You know, we've had a federated system, and I think we need to get everyone more aligned. You've just got to look at the World Cup in 2023. You know, two of the, the most impressive rugby countries at the moment, France and Ireland, They've both got united systems, have both got aligned systems, and they both weren't good enough to make the semi-finals of the World Cup. You know, to, to, make, to make the semi-finals of the World Cup and to win the World Cup in 2027, we need the whole country to get aligned. That's from the grassroots all the way up. And I think over the period of time that I've been away, we've got more and more fractured, and this is now the opportunity to get more and more aligned. Now, now I'm not an administrator, mate, so I don't know how to do it. I'm just a, a basic coach. I go out there with a whistle... I blow the whistle, yell and scream, put an arm around the player every now and then. So I can't tell you how to do that. And I'm not going to try to tell you how to do that. That's for smarter people than me. Understood. But what do you mean by alignment? What exactly? Well, I think every, everyone working together, mate, from the grassroots, from, from little kids down at Randwick, uh, to super rugby teams, to the Wallaby teams, we're all working together to put together the most powerful rugby national team we can put together. And as a result of their disappointing performances, there are a lot of hurt and upset supporters in Australia at the moment. Eddie was asked if he has a comment for fans to get them back on board. Yeah, look, uh, you know, we, f- we feel they're hurt. We feel all the supporters hurt and we really appreciate the great support we had in France and, and back in Australia for the team. And we feel they're hurt. But some, as I said, sometimes the change you have to have is, is uncomfortable and it is quite difficult. And sometimes you have to go through this to get into a better, sorry, mate, get into a better state. And, and I believe the, the problems we've had, particularly at, at the national team, and will put us in a better state going forward. And finally, Eddie was asked if coaching the Wallabies was a bigger job than he thought it was going to be, and does he regret coming back to Australian rugby? Eddie, is this a bigger job than you thought it was going to be? I always knew it was big, mate. Yeah, it was like walking the. Uh, uh, a difficult situation. Always knew this was going to be hard. Do you regret coming back? No, nah, not at all. But the only thing I regret is probably telling the press to give themselves an uppercut. Um, but you wish you said more of them, did you? Uh, yeah, no, I probably do. Um, but you know, we needed to make decisions on on going on what needed going forward. And I think there's a couple of things that's come out. One is that youth will take us forward, and two, we need to get better alignment in Australia. So interesting to hear Eddie's thoughts there. It almost sounds, well, he's making it out like he inherited a bad situation. I thought the Wallabies under Dave Rennie were playing some great rugby. Clearly, Eddie sees it differently. Right, jumping across to Wales now, but sticking on the coaching theme, and Welsh winger Josh Adams is leading the calls for Warren Gatlin to remain in charge of Wales despite that quarter-final exit at the hands of Argentina. Speaking to Welsh media, Adams said that Warren was absolutely terrific since coming back in. He's brought them certainty 
and clarity, and he would like to see them at the helm for many years to come. Luckily for Adams, Gatland, he's actually expressed an interest to stay on as coach after that loss to the Pumas, so here he is post-game on his want to be involved. Warren, coming into this tournament, there was a bit of talk about a, a potential break clause in your contract after this. Are you, are you committed to taking this project through to 2027? Just for clarity. <laughs> is this like an Eddie Jones question, is it? <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't, I, I'm not actually sure what's in my contract. Uh, you know, I think there's a, um, a clause from the union, and I'm, I'm not too sure what uh, the actual wording is. I haven't actually read it, so... Would you yeah. like to take this group through to 2027? Yeah, absolutely. But if, they, if the union want to get rid of me, then they're, they're completely entitled to do that as well. So um, that's up to them. So it appears Warren's not a huge fan of T's and C's in a contract. He's not quite sure what the deal is there, but I think it's fair to say Welsh rugby would be pretty silly to let him walk away. Silly. There could be a certain Ian Foster who could be available for a job in a few months' time. So I wonder if a couple of unions mm. are just waiting. Although... The better the All Blacks do in this World Cup, the higher Foster's price will be. But I wonder if a couple of unions are waiting to see what happens because you recruit a former World Cup, well, the current World Cup winning coach mm. um, who might bring a couple of assistants like Scott McLeod um, with him, you know, that being part of potentially a World Cup winning team, Greg Feek, uh, then uh, who knows? So if, I, if I'm a union like Wales, as much as I love Warren Gatland uh, and what he's done for that team and, and the, in the short time of space, you've got to... You got to think that Ian Foster is going to be a wanted man, despite his poor record, specifically because he's been an All Blacks coach. And if the All Blacks win the World Cup, then he becomes an even bigger carrot. Yeah, well, it's a good point, and because of course Warren Gatlin's been in that Welsh system for so long now, is he that guy to take them to the next level, or is he just the guy to get them to that quarterfinals, maybe semi-finals level, and then they bow out again? He's overachieved. Like 100%. where that team was, like at the start of the tournament, when no one had them getting out of group play, mm. and they won their group, and the only the first game they lost was the was the Pumas game, right? So, look, they overachieved uh, on a different day. They would have beaten Argentina. That game was really really close, and he could be staring down the barrel of a World Cup semi final against the All Blacks. So, uh, yeah, Gatlin's done a great job, uh, but yeah, the Ian Foster's gonna it's gonna be really I'm really intrigued to see what Ian Foster's next step is as a coach, if indeed he still wants to coach. Yeah, it's a good point. Could Sir Ian Foster be heading to Wales? We'll soon see. And then finally, French media, they've questioned whether Thomas Ramos's conversion attempt during France's World Cup quarterfinal clash with South Africa should have been retaken after it was charged down by Cheslin Colby. Now, Colby sent South African fans into a frenzy after getting his hands on that conversion, but a French journalist, Clement Marzella, has taken to X, formerly Twitter, after the game and posted video footage that French supporters believe proves Colby started his run before Ramos began his run-up. And I must say, I've seen the video myself, I've watched it several times, it does appear he left early. He looks about three or four metres in front of the line, but here is the moment that that charge down happened. Ramos. It's been charged down by Cheslin Colby. It remains 12 each. Oh, effort plays as a coach. This is what you love. He takes a long time in his wind-up. And this guy is super quick. 
Uh, do you know the interesting thing about that, Surly, is Colby and Ramos have played club rugby together for five years. Yeah, wow. So uh, he would be aware of all the idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. of what uh, Thomas Ramos does. And look, apparently Thomas Ramos is a bit like Damian Mc... Uh, sorry, it's Richard Mwanga, right, who has the sort of fake start yeah. and then gets going a second time. Um, so he'll be aware of all of that. And it's it's interesting. Uh, look, if, if I'm... I get it. France are upset. They're blaming the referee. They're blaming that moment. But... Uh, it was a great, it was a great moment, and just again solidifies why that bloke is the best winger on the planet. Oh, for sure, and he's lightning quick, and that was probably the first time throughout this World Cup he'd been able to show it because South Africa had kind of been playing ten man footy. It was cool to see Colby get an opportunity, and then of course he scored a try on the weekend as well. So that was entertaining stuff. Jumping across to Ireland now, like I mentioned before, they're still coming to grips with that devastating loss. Irish fans, in particular, they are heartbroken. So here is Irish legend Rob Kearney speaking post game trying to process his feelings and thoughts around the magnitude of this loss. I think he sums it up really well, so take a listen to this. That's a sickener for this team. It's it's a sickener for the country. It's a sickener for every Irish person that supported this rugby team and really, truly felt in, in their heart that this year was going to be different because we thought it was. Mm. And we, we had a team uh, that could have made it different. But... Not, no, and and it won't be for another four years. And listen, this this team will pick themselves back up. They're still a great team, and they may go on to win another Grand Slam this year, or a Triple Crown, or all of that. Um, the cruel the, part is the, that will be used against them, the, of course. But this team is 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 should be destined for more than a Grand Slam or a Triple Crown. Um, what is going to define Irish rugby now? Forevermore is quarterfinal exits, yeah. and it's we need to we need to get a team that can break that hoodoo. And finally, did we miss the biggest omen ever heading into Sunday's game that the All Blacks were going to win? Here's audio of SEN's very own Stephen Beaver Donald speaking to Irish media pre-game. Gone fishing at all around uh, France since you've been here? No, not not fishing in France. I actually, ironically, I had a very good day white baiting on Monday okay. before I jumped on the plane on Wednesday. I had one of my best. I actually had, I think, my best white baiting day since the day I got called up. <laughs> Volume wise, I had a very good catch on Monday. Um, oh, the almonds for Ireland are terrible this well, weekend. I was actually thinking halfway through, it, I should ring up a couple of my um, good mates who got very close to making this All Black team and said, "Do you, do you just want to come down the river and, and be a part of this?" And who knows, it could work. So uh, no, I actually had a very good Monday, um, and uh, so I was quite popular at home. And I got home with the uh, with the buckets and the chili bin. Uh, it was a, it was a very good day down the river. So there you have it, the white bait king works his magic again and the All Blacks get another famous win in finals footy. Time now for your breakout performer brought to you by Breakout River Meats, 100% Australian meat and proudly supporting rugby union. And today's breakout performer is Fiji captain and veteran centre Waisea Naika Levu who featured in every game for the Flying Fijians. He set the tone for the team both on and off the field in a campaign that went so close to reaching the final four. Here's a clip of the blockbusting centre scoring a try against Wales in their pool clash. Now to the right-hand side, but a miscommunication, but then breaking through the hole. He's going, Nayathalevu, he might go all the way, he does! The Fijian 13 broke the Wales defence, and Fiji answer right back through their number 13, Waisea Nayathalevu. 13 minutes gone, it's going to be 8 points to 5 with a kick to come for Fiji on the Bunnings NZ scoreboard.
So there is your breakout performer for today, brought to you by Breakout River Meats, proud supporters of independent butchers and the Rugby World Cup. Now time now for a break. When we come back, we'll take a dive in today's All Blacks media session as all eyes now shift towards this weekend's first semi-final against Argentina. Watch me. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Time now to dive into today's All Blacks media session as all eyes now shift towards this weekend's first semi-final against Argentina, kicking off at 8am on Saturday morning, live from Paris. And first up on the podium was All Blacks coach Jason Ryan, who was reminded that last year, after beating the South Africans in Johannesburg, the All Blacks came back to New Zealand and lost to Argentina. So does that lost play in his mind heading into this contest. Yeah, you got to be you got to be honest around that, and you know it'll it'll be probably a little bit talked around this morning. I think when we start previewing a little bit, but like I said, we you know we're we're a different team. I guess they're a different team. We learned a lot in that game as well. You know, David Kidwell, lead coach. When I said it last time we played them, they you know they put a lot into their D and their and their um, to slow our ball down. So you know we'll make sure that we readdress that and not assume anything. Next up, Ryan was asked what he made of Argentina against Wales. Did they look familiar or a different opposition to the side the All Blacks took on last year? Yeah, it was um, even sort of contest, sort of swung back and forwards there a little bit. There was um, yeah, some, some good skill execution. Some of it wasn't so great, but the, um, the determination and the mindset from both, type, both sides was, uh, was great. Did they look familiar or did they look different to what you experienced last year? Yeah, well, they... There's a couple of similarities there, but a few a few things that they probably changed as well that they're looking to evolve. You've still got to be evolving things during this World Cup. You can't just, you know, sit still and think it's just going to happen again. You've still got to have little tweaks in your game to, to um, you know, be on the front foot, I guess. And of course, the weekend's win over Ireland took a massive toll on the bodies with a real workload, especially for the Fords being ginormous. So Ryan was asked, how does he look to make a few tweaks, maybe rest a few legs, or do they look to keep the momentum going ahead of this weekend? Yeah, potentially. I think it, it is a bit of both around the momentum, but also, you know, it's just having a look at the numbers and the metrics of what the boys played and who, who did the biggest shift and the most tackles. You've got to be smart there around that. But then there's the other side of it, Andrew, where you got guys that are, you know, potentially playing in their last World Cup that they just want to be out there and give everything they can. So it's a mix of both, really. I answered that really politically, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did. Next up to the podium was New Zealand hooker Dane Coles, and I should add, Ethan De Groot was there with him as well. But it's fair to say, Ethan, he's not quite a talker, more a doer. Luckily, Dane, though, he makes up for that in more ways than one. So the first question put to him was, how do you overcome the mental challenge of coming down from last weekend's victory and then getting yourself back up again this week for a semi-final? I think yesterday was, was was crucial, just like the, I call it like a decompression, just we had our families in and partners and kids, I think that's always a good indication just to you know, give yourself some time to just to be normal again for 24 hours and then today's part of that process, the review and then obviously looking forward with the six day turnaround with RG, I think, yeah. For, for myself, you just got to forget it today, like, what was done last week is, is not going to help you this week. 
I think the reset button is the crucial thing and everyone will be different but um, had the gym we've got a bit of a review after this and then we're into it. And of course the Pumas potentially present a different challenge to Ireland but the question was put to Dane Coles in terms of performance how important is it that that performance against Ireland now becomes the benchmark for the All Blacks moving forward? It is crucial mate like, yeah we'll take a lot of confidence but we're going to go another gear you know and We've all seen the World Cups are very different with the results, you know, over the weekend. So um, they're going to be a different beast. And it was not so long ago that we lost in New Zealand for the first time as well. So um, we know they, they win, they're in a good spot and they turn up and they're a physical team. So yeah, it's crucial, like I said, we lift another, another gear and, and go again. And many are assuming that the All Blacks are going to get this win pretty easily and then advance through to the final. But with that comes its own dangers. So Coles was asked, can this game be a trap? And how do the All Blacks motivate themselves for this week? I don't want to be playing for a third and fourth game again against Wales. You know, like we did in 2019. That's kind of my motivation. It's a, it's a shit league. <laughs> if I'm being brutally honest, like playing for third and fourth, getting knocked out of a semi. So that's, regardless of who you're playing for, it, it, it doesn't matter, like, you're playing in the semi-final in the World Cup and if you don't turn up, you're in for a week that kind of, it tests you mentally, physically, emotionally, but I want to, yeah, make sure I turn up where, the, where I am this week and um, regardless of playing the Pumas and try to get another Monday and it's not who the opposition is, it's about um, us getting to the ultimate goal of, of playing in the World Cup final, but all our energy is into the semi-final week. So fair to say the boys are locked in, not short of motivation, and fair enough too, I wouldn't want to play in a third versus fourth. I think the last World Cup the boys took on Wales and put them away pretty easily, but fair to say that's not the game you want to be playing. And next up, Coles was asked, did he watch the France versus South Africa game, and what were his reaction to seeing the hosts get knocked out early? Yeah, I did watch it. It was, it was a pretty high-tempo game for a quarter-final. And, um, yeah, it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, that last 10 minutes, I could have probably swung both ways, but um, I suppose the team, it's funny because both teams, like Ireland and France, were really, people thought they were going to be the, the two dominant teams in this World Cup, and it's just the team that shows up on the day, I reckon, like pro form and will means kind of nothing, so, yeah, you, France would be obviously disappointed being a home nation, not playing, but it's just footy. Um, full credit to South Africa for getting the job done they, they played bloody well and of course heading into last week's game against Ireland there was quite a bit of fear or talk of fear anyway leading into that game due to Ireland's recent results against the All Blacks so the question was put to Colsey do you feel the same fear for taking on the Pumas this week? I personally do like we've been in the team where we've was it lost to them in Aussie lost to them in New Zealand for the first time and uh, that caused us, you know, it caused you know, the team a lot of hurt. So I, st I personally still have that fear of, um, and that fear drives you. It's good, it's good to have that and acknowledge that and put a letter energise you and get to a place where you need to be. So some good insight there from Dane Coles and Jason Ryan and good to hear there's no signs of complacency creeping into the thoughts of the All Blacks ahead of this week's big game. This could be a potential banana skin, underestimate Michael Checker at your own peril. So good to hear the lads are taking it very seriously. Right, time now for the news. When we return we'll be joined by Charles Goodser, a news reporter out of Australia to talk all things Eddie Jones. Yes. I stay on the beat, you can count on me, I am Mrs. 
Like, if you don't know anything about rugby, don't talk to me. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today here on SENZ with Surly. Brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. And joining us now, live from Australia, it's SEN reporter Charles Goodser, who was actually there on the ground at Coogee Oval for what could be considered a peak Eddie Jones press conference performance. Charles, mate, can you describe the atmosphere at that press conference? Because having listened to the audio, it sounds a little tense. So how would you describe Eddie's relationship with the Aussie media? Yes, well, uh, good afternoon, or maybe good evening over there in New Zealand. Uh, I, I would describe Eddie's press conference a bit like the weather today here in Sydney. It was visible and rainy in the morning. <laughs> there were some patches of, of blue sky and sunshine, and then back to rainy again, and then a bit windy, and then just a bit all over the place, really. It was, uh, it was a strange press conference. It was uh, pretty tense, we said at the time, mm. and then sprinkling a little bit of humour, a little bit of banter, and then... Yeah, that's a great way to kind of summarise it. So Eddie's sticking around, or at least he says he is, and he said that all along, to be fair. But do you think the media and the public buy it? Or despite his constant refusal that he is leaving, is there still an element of doubt that he'll be at the helm until 2027? Yes, definitely. The, the first question at the, at the presser was, uh, are you staying? He said, yep, I'm staying. And the second one was, what is his interest in... Japanese rugby, and he continues to drag that line. I, I have no idea. Don't know what he's talking about. And and I think we believe him when he says that he wants to stay as uh, what would be coach. Um, he's very adamant about that fact. He, he was pretty open about how poor this World Cup campaign was, uh, and that you know he, he owned he owned it. He took responsibility for it. But every time this Japanese rugby stuff came up, he just sort of you know pushed away with a flat back. He just said, I don't. Uh, where it came from, haven't spoken in 21, and when asked, if you're curious about where it's come from, he's just said, no, I don't care. And it just seems a bit odd that, you know, this, this story that is written by Tom Deacon is an excellent reporter for the Sydney Morning Herald here. It, it hasn't just come out of thin air. There, there's some credence behind it. And so the fact that he's not really going into it and, and possibly why it, it's come up, it does raise a lot of red flags for Australian rugby supporters. Yeah, I was thinking Eddie could be playing for the Aussie cricket team with the straight bat. He played defending a lot of those questions. But one thing he has done is stuck by his decision to take over a young, youthful side that he thinks will represent Australia well in the future. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think guys like Hooper and Cooper should have been in the side? Because it was interesting timing, right? Taking over a young team looking to build for the future at a Rugby World Cup. It was an interesting decision. He got a lot of hate for it. I'm actually in the camp that it was probably the right decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if not now, then when this sort of mentality. And I think if we bring those guys like Donaldson and Jorgensen, uh, Gordon as well, uh, back into 2027, you want them to have a little bit of World Cup experience, and I think they'll be all the better for it. It was incredibly disappointing. He, he acknowledged that, but he said it's all about the future. He, you know, he is contracted until 2027. Again, there is doubt whether or not he will see that through, but he was really pointing about the fact that he wants to feel the strong culture of rugby union rather, rather than a quick fix. Rather than a quick fix. And he, was, um, he mentioned a lot about getting Rugby Australia 
aligned and, and, and with a certain goal. And uh, that goal is clearly just to want to get more experience in these young players. I, I think it was the right call. The results obviously didn't go away, but I think he was brave enough to make those decisions. Quite tip of Michael Hooper are going to have to retire at, at, at some stage, and, and sometimes those brutal calls just have to be made. Yeah, fair call. And like you mentioned there, he spoke about the need to kind of unite and align Rugby Australia. So in your opinion, what needs to happen before 2027? The World Cup's on your guys' shores. Australia need to be a force. How do you think that happens? Does there need to be changes at the top above, Eddie? Oh, Jay, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> look, there's, there's really no quick fix. I'm, I'm probably not the best person to maybe come up with this decision, but I think what has been really lacking is I'm, I'm 25, and the last time the Wallabies won uh, the Bloody Five Cup, I was five years old. I was yeah. a, a young kid, and I vividly remember when we last won, and it's just been really disappointing. And I think that's where it's really gone down still for Australian rugby. Every time the Bloody Five Cup comes around, I'm a diehard rugby fan, so I always get excited that my mates can, can take it off. I think it's Obviously, the demand for success is high amongst Australian support, right? Everyone loves getting around winners. And the perception of Australian rugby that I get at the moment is that the game's really struggling over there in terms of participation, crowd attendance. It seems like the NRL and AFL continue to grow, which is great for those games, but not great for rugby. Is that a correct assumption on how things are from over this side of the ditch? Oh, 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 without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, when I, I grew up, I played for the Eastern Suburbs rugby team here in Sydney, and there were about three or, or, or four junior teams, and there was about one AFL team. And look, uh, when my little brother started playing about five, ten years ago, inverse, there were three or four AFL teams in, in East Sydney, and there was just the one rugby team, which Eastern Sydney is really rugby heartland here, and that's really uh, not great. Um I also think that uh, I don't think Rugby Australia or the game here in general hasn't got worse or anything like that. I think it's just stalled a little bit. I think yeah, the AFL and the NRL especially have just reached out to overseas to, to a lot of regional communities and towns, and it just seems like uh, rugby is a little bit out of touch or behind the eight ball. Um, and yeah, and I think it also just comes down to to winning. And I had to go back to the Bledisloe, but if you're not winning that against our biggest rival, the All Blacks, who have just owned us for the for the past two decades, then what's the point in, in watching? So, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a concern here. 
you mentioned we're your biggest rivals, but there's also a strong sentiment in New Zealand that we need you guys to be strong to ensure that there's a good level of competition in Super Rugby and also in the Rugby Championship. So are you backing Australian Rugby to turn this around? Is there a sense of optimism? I guess now we've got to take Eddie for his word. He's locked in till 2027. Do you think he's the guy that can get results from this team? I, I think he is. I, 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 uh, I'm a massive Eddie Jones fan from, from way back. I, I think today I was a little bit shaken before I went to the press conference, but I sort of, uh, I don't know, got sucked back into the whirlwind a little bit. I'm, I'm part of the Eddie cult again. I, I think he is the guy. But the way he spoke about the team, the way he spoke about what he sees as the future, especially uh, the youth, and, and making sure there's a real uh, strong push there. And he just he kept struggling out those two or three things, but I think that's why it was really, that's, that's what really uh, came off as really strong to me, that it was all about alignment. He said, uh, look, the sport isn't dying, but I acknowledge we're in a difficult spot where probably the worst ever going to be, and it's probably going to get a little bit worse before it gets better, but I just think the way he spoke about it, he's, he's really passionate. Um, they are, the media, including myself, asked him so many times, are you staying long term? Will you still be the guy? And he said, as long as Rugby Australia want me to be, I will be here. So I, I think he is the guy, and um, I, I agree. I think if we're in awe of watching the All Blacks here, and like we, we love watching you guys, but I agree. There's no competition if, if we're not giving our best and, and our all, and, and I think the world game will suffer if Australia's not, not great. So, yeah, I, I think Eddie is the guy to see us through. And I think he, to be fair to him, and I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he says, just to be clear, but I think he did raise a good point that there is some great young talent coming through Australia. When you look at the likes of Carter, Gordon and co, the, the team could well be in good hands. So do you think that he's kind of identified the right talent now to lead you through to this next World Cup phase? I think he has. I think he's probably maybe put a line through a, a few names at, at this World Cup and the guys just aren't quite ready for it, but... But I think we've identified a lot, a lot of young talent. There's still a lot to, to come in as well. I mean, Joseph Swatley, he's signed to Rugby Australia. He'll be coming from the Sydney Roosters, and he finished off the year strongly. And he's, he's a talent, he, and he's built like a rugby player already, which is fantastic to see. I think, um, I, I think there are some green shoots there. I think um, the, the games were disappointing, but uh, look, what, what can you do? I think they were just inexperienced. They were young. Mm-hmm. And there was a real sense here among uh, rugby purists that this World Cup was almost a bit of a foregone conclusion. I think that he almost decided when he took over the, the, the role that the, the roster that he was going to have just wasn't going to be up to the standard that we saw during those quarterfinals. Like, imagine if the Wallabies eked into the quarters and had to play one of the teams over the weekend. We, we would have been smashed by 70 points. Yeah. So um, I, I think he's identified the, the right players, yep. And we all know Eddie Jones loves a rugby league player. He's a big fan of the game. You mentioned Joseph Sali'i coming across. There was also chalk around Ang- Angus Crichton. Do you think Eddie's going to kind of look to target some more NRL big names to try and build this team towards that cup? Well, funny you say that because uh, I didn't get to ask a lot of questions because there were about 20 or 30 journos at, at the press conference all bang for blood. But one of the few questions I asked was, are you going to be looking to sign any any rival talent from the NRL? And he said uh, very very cheaply. This is one of the the funny moments I alluded to earlier. He just said, "Yep, just Nathan Cleary, just Nathan Cleary." Um, <laughs> and then he was uh, after the press conference. He was going to go. To, uh, he was off to Penrith straight afterwards. So I I I don't think 
he might he might not be giving his cards away. Who knows? I don't think they're going to be targeting any more NRL players as of yet because uh, the Angus Crichton uh, deal that, that got leaked, uh, it, there was not a good reception about it. There's whispers that Joseph Bailey wants to get out of his deal, which I think is just baseless. I don't think there's any validity to that. I think it's see his contract through. We'll wait and see, but I don't think that's on their radar at the moment. Yeah, well, fair to say the, the Prince of Penrith would be a massive scalp for Eddie Jones, but I think that one might be out of his court. Cheers for joining us, mate. Unreal to get some insight into that Aussie press conference today, and hopefully next time we speak to you, Australian rugby's back to being that old powerhouse and the rivalry with New Zealand is well and truly back alive. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully that's uh, sooner rather than later. <laughs> Absolutely. Go well. Well, great insight there today into Eddie Jones's press conference from Charles Goodser, a sports reporter out of Australia. Time now for an ad break. When we come back, we'll have a look at this weekend's schedule of games, all available to watch live here on SENZ. So if you haven't got anything positive to say, don't ask. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Time to look ahead to this weekend's schedule of semi-final games that you can catch all here live on SENZ. The first one on your Saturday morning, of course, Argentina versus New Zealand. It's an 8am kickoff with build-up from 7. I mentioned the TAB odds yesterday. I think Argentina were paying like 6 bucks. They're out to 7s now, which is pretty crazy. Then on Sunday morning, you have England taking on South Africa, an 8am kickoff for that one with build-up also from 7. Can Borthwick and the Red Roses remain the only unbeaten side in this World Cup? Or will Russi, Khaleesi and co bring their World Cup run to an end? I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty good contest, so you don't want to miss that game. She's going to be physical, going to be a true display of finals footy. So that's us for Rugby World Cup today on your Tuesday night. Thanks as always for tuning in. I'll hey, be back Sully, again. Sorry, just, just one sec. More likely England to beat South Africa or Argentina to beat the All Blacks. I think England to beat South Africa. Mm. Argentina worry me because Michael Checker makes me nervous hey, more than anything. Yeah, he's a smart guy. But England just love finals football and you get the feeling if South Africa go back to that 10-man game, which I'd encourage they don't, yeah. then that would play right into England's hands. And there's just something about England at semi-finals. We saw it last time, didn't mm, we? And they we, smashed we, us. We probably shouldn't go there no, again, eh? No, let's not. Silly question. That won't happen, though. Let's, let's keep the faith. But like I said, I'll catch you back here tomorrow. Cheers as always to Brad and Jacob for running the cutter and I'll catch you here for another show on Rugby World Cup today on SENZ.